Hi, Justin Kelly here, and welcome to the Scholars Podcast. This is a show where we feature scholars from the General Sir John Monash Foundation. The best, the brightest, the boldest, the bravest across all fields of academia, business, science, humanities, and the arts. The John Monash Scholarships are postgraduate scholarships awarded to outstanding Australians with leadership potential who wish to study overseas. The John Monash Scholarships are amongst the most important postgraduate scholarships currently available in Australia. On today's episode, we are speaking with Michael Grebler, composer extraordinaire and current resident of Manhattan. He chats to us about what life in New York lockdown is like, his academic background in engineering and music, his passion for composing, and how he's staying creative during a pandemic. Michael, welcome to the program. Hi, good to be here. Thank you. Well, let's let's talk about your background. Let's let's go back to high school. Where did where did you grow up and where did you go to school? Sure. I went to uh, I went to Masnod College in Les Murdy in Western Australia. It's a um, Catholic or boys school outside of Perth, about like 30 minutes in the hills. Yeah. Little, nice little community. I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna presume you were a pretty good student. I was not a bad student. Um, I yeah, I mean, I was look, I was a bit of a nerd. <laughs> On the nerd scale, where were you? Very. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I was definitely a nerd. So did you did you know when you were going through the <clears throat> part of me the latter stages of high school what you wanted to do? Did you have any idea um, about? A career when once you left school. Yeah, that time was a bit. I didn't really have, I'd say, a typical final year of high school experience. Um, I mean, I'd been kind of set on maybe doing med for a while, um, but I wanted to do a lot of things. I had a lot of competing passions, and and year twelve was pretty tricky. We lost dad about halfway through, so I kind of, as difficult as that was, it kind of became, I think, an interesting point of significance in my life and my decision making about where my life should go. Um, and so I was kind of, I kind of had this idea in my head at the time, which is, you know, 16. So I, was, I guess I was pretty young to be thinking like this, but you know, I'm, I'm going to get one shot at this. I have to make sure I, I make it count. But um, it took me a while to reconcile what my passions were with what my reality was. And so did you, did you come from a musical family? Not at all total anomaly there's like nowhere if you go through any of the generations you find anything <laughs> you were the black sheep i mean it's like it's like a I, I mean i came from like a you know um like an immigrant sicilian romanian family like you know um, dad dad fled poverty in romania um during the 70s and my mom came over in the 50s um so it was it would. It was a pretty like you know, practical sort of direction that I was given. And so, was your first degree a combination of music, but also engineering? Am I right in that? So I actually started in uh, chemistry and human biology, and I did like about a year and a half with that, and then I uh, I was doing music along the side of it, and and uh, I actually struggled to keep both going. Actually, what happened was I lost my voice for like three months. I couldn't sing. How did that happen? I don't know. Hyperlaryngeal something, something. It took a long time to figure out what it was. 
it was like my my I don't know my voice my vocal cords were sitting too high or too tight in general because of something or other, and so I couldn't I couldn't sing properly and I lost a lot of my high notes because I'm like a tenor and stuff and um and I think when I'd kind of lost my that that musical means of expression for that amount of time I was like okay I'm not going without this like I did too like music's very important I can't keep ignoring this I have to sort of you know actually just go for it um and so i ended up switching uh <laughs> i ended up switching off to my second year of university and i did engineering and music as a combined degree um and okay. i'd always had like a strong science stem sort of background um but i i picked up engineering because i mean like there was just a lot of pressure from mom to do an actual degree that was kind of like the, the the deal um and uh yeah, so it was about yeah two years in, and then I did um, mechanical engineering and a music degree, and that lasted about six years. So, what advice would you have for someone who's in their final year of school, probably doesn't know yet what they want to do, if they want to study, if they do study, uh, what that might look like? They're not sure. Is there any advice you could? you could give them? I think it's important to go where your passions are. I think it's important to be very honest with yourself about, you know, what you want to do and, and what you want out of your life. Um, and how important it is to be very comfortable, um, or how important it is to do certain things. Like you have to weigh up, weigh up that stuff, but don't be afraid to give unlikely unlikely careers ago uh parts of the story i have left out is that all along the way of me doing this basically everyone even from high school was just like don't do music <laughs> and don't do like, music don't do music no. and um <laughs> and as much as i do love my city and i have to say i i do love it and it is one of the greatest places on earth and i would happily be there um if i could be doing what i was doing just continue to learn no experience is wasted um Go out and, and I mean, just do it, but don't be afraid to dream like big and don't be afraid to kind of push past your context. Like you can only see so much of the world where you are at, 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 at the age of what, 17. What do you know? You haven't been out of the house. Go out into the mm -hmm. world. See, see what it's about. If you hear about things and careers that exist in this universe, don't think that they're separate from your own. You can totally... You can go there. I mean, the idea of being in America was so foreign to me. So I was from Perth, one of the most isolated cities in the world. I could not be further from mm. home. So how did you how did you end up? Let's let's fast forward from from Perth in WA to Manhattan, New York City. How did you get there? What brought you to um, America? The smart answer the, the smart aleck answer is a plane, obviously, which is what I always say when I'm an idiot. <laughs> but uh it was this thing called the general Sir Joe monash scholarship um and that was a big that was a big i don't know inflection point in my life that's really where i think changed a lot things changed a lot um i was given the opportunity to study anywhere in the world the u.s was doing what i wanted um and i applied for the scholarship i honestly didn't think i'd get it not even humble bragging 
I just didn't think I'd get it. Um, and I ended up putting one in and then I didn't get kicked out through the various interview rounds. And then I eventually, I got it and I was just like, ah, oh, damn it. Cause now <laughs> this is gonna be, I'm not certain that's the reaction. I had things going in Perth, you know, I was doing yeah. stuff. I started this like music organization. I built up all my friends and my family and, you know, I dreamed and the dream looks like it's going to happen. It's just like, it's good, but it's also very scary and it requires a lot of reassessment and a lot of work to, um, you know, redirect some of the energies of your life because you, you're going to move overseas. You know, that's that's not easy. So so yeah. that's kind of, I mean, that's how that happened. And that was a very fortunate thing to have happened because, again, and, and going back to, say, year 12 and um, – your context just keeps changing throughout your life and you have to constantly reassess your expectations of the world. So where did you um, where did you end up studying in the US and for how long? So I ended up in Boston and I studied at New England Conservatory for two years. And what was that degree? That was a Master of Music Composition. And that was cool because you're basically learning from like history figures or the students of history figures and you're down the road from MIT and Harvard and this kind of thing and it's it's kind of cool. So who are your favorite composers? My favorites? I have so many. Uh, Give me your top five. Top five? All right. Beethoven was the man that got it all started for me. I really, I did. Yeah. I did get moved by Beethoven. Uh, And then I'd say probably Bach is up there as well. His music is just insane. And it takes a little while to appreciate why it's it's so great. So I'd, I'd put him up there. Um, I've been going nuts for Tchaikovsky lately. Uh, his music's just so expressive. Um, although I like wax and wane on this one, Philip Glass has been a big influence, but I kind of go off and on sort of his music. So, mm-hmm. All right. What's a five? Maybe like Maurice Ravel. He's, um, he's got some pretty cool stuff that he does. So that, that'd be my five, I'd say. So tell me this. You've got a blank piece of paper. How do you begin composing music how do you start a composition is it a feeling is it you you think about something halfway through the piece is it a single note what what is it that says to you okay this needs this needs to come out i'm starting this um okay so the most important part of it is really a deadline and having a project <laughs> the deadline that, okay that helps um, it's important to know what, like, I guess those constraints are in terms of writing the music. It's changed. I've developed how I've done this over my life. Um, but where I found more success is when you start writing music that comes from some place of truth. Um, and what that means is that you observe something in the world or you feel something in the world, or you have something maybe you want to say or reflect in yourself, like some piece of truth about you that you can offer through your music or your experience. Um, and I don't mean that's necessarily a story, um, but what that means is that, um, you know, for me, I'll, I'll sit down on the piano and I'll improvise and certain things will resonate with me in, in a very, in a very like profound way. Um, and, and when that happens, you've, I, I like to think of it as you've found the truth. Um, and, and you, you, can, you can roll with that. And then, then your like, craft comes in about how you develop it. Um, other times you'll take that little kernel and then you just have to go for work, for walks. 
and you'll hear the music in your head and it just starts to turn over itself and 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 it starts to unpack itself and and you sort of work through it in that very abstract way but um that's that's usually how i start and and then once you've once you've started once you're about 20 percent of the way through it gets much better until the last 10 percent. the last 10 percent takes the time the previous 90 percent took um but and what is that is that finishing it off or bringing it all together what is what is that last 10 percent that's making it into a piece of art um Hmm. How do you make how do you make it into a good piece of art? And that's and I found that's been very challenging and, and is very time consuming. And you can rush it, um, but it just it misses it. And and I I feel in my field, particularly, ninety eight percent or ninety five percent gets rounded down to zero. It's just so hmm. important to have um, really good quality crafted art very clear and moving expression um but also expressing something that's productive <laughs> and how, how long does that process normally normally take you i know i'm asking a question which is how long is a piece of string but if you were to talk to to some authors they might work for years on a particular book and other books that you know it just it just screams off the off the page and they can finish it pretty quickly what, what's it like writing a piece of music? How long does it take? I mean, yeah, I mean, how long is a piece of string? Like you said, um, it. I think it depends on the medium you're writing for. If you're writing an, if you're writing like a full symphony, that that stuff can take a long time. That's the kind of thing that will take a year, and you get you get a few minutes with the orchestra to rehearse it before it's performed, and you hope to God your year of work was worthwhile. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> but typically where I am writing like say 10 minute works, um, that kind of thing, it usually takes about maybe a month, a month and a half if I'm, if I'm properly focused. I think it takes some time to sit and digest concepts and ideas and develop, the, develop them into something meaningful. But on the other hand, um, if you're writing shorter works, say for the voice, if you have a text, um, I find I can write much quicker if I have a good text already. Um, I just wrote a work called Sympathy, actually, which used the poetry of Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And that work, which I think worked, it turned out pretty well, ended up taking about four days to write. Um, and I think, again, I think it's just easier, um, the less abstract the medium you're dealing with. Like voice is, you know, it gives you, the text gives you a lot to do. Well, let's let's take the time now to listen to some of your music. This is your first string quartet. Michael, can you talk us through the significance of this piece? Sure. Um, so my first string quartet is called Sfidare, um, and that's the Italian and Romanian word for defy or defiance. Uh, this work was really written responding to um, some, I guess, evolving tragedies in the lives of some of my loved ones, and it was really in many ways a prayer for my hope for them to defy their circumstances.
Have you ever thought about composing music for for films? It's one of the things that I certainly, if I if I watch a watch a movie, I love listening to the soundtracks, particularly um, some of some of the blockbusters. You you think it's all action, but I actually like listening to the to the music and how they put that together. Is that ever been of interest to you? I think early on, I was particularly excited by film music. Like, I mean, some of Philip Glass stuff, obviously. John Williams is a he's a great orchestrator and he's a genius. He does some wonderful things. I mean, I I do love some John Williams. Uh, In terms of my own work, though, I've never felt I I don't think I felt particularly compelled to make my contribution there. Um, It's a pretty different art to I guess what I do, and I'm more focused on concert music, um, and and what I'm all about is expression and giving others a means of expression. That is, I really love working with performers and giving them um, this new template in which to express themselves. Um, and, and film music can work that way to some extent, but for the most part, it's it's um, it's usually sort of pre-recorded and um, accompanies what the director will be doing. And so, I haven't gone too deep into that. Having said that, um, I have taken on some film work. I've done a short film here in New York with a uh, New York director and I've done a couple of small commercially things. Um, and they're always, they're always good fun and it's nice to be able to go into that world. So what, what's it like composing in isolation? I presume it's, it's not much of a change for you, given that you probably are working from home anyway. Do you, tell me, do your neighbours, are they banging on the walls <laughs> telling you to keep things down? So they may be banging on my walls, but it's not because of me making noise. That just it's just like a neighborhood that's, that does that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a byproduct of where you're living. <laughs> yeah, good old East Harlem. Uh, so I I'm actually quite fortunate that um, it's an old building, so I haven't had any complaints from neighbors, um, which is great. And I've I've actually asked them if they can hear anything, and they they haven't been able to hear a thing, which also concerns me because it means I might die in here and nobody would know. Um, mm. Very long time. <laughs> anyway, um, let's let, let's let's hear some more music. This is your this is your second piece, um, string quartet number two. Talk us talk us through this piece of music. Sure. Um, this work. Uh, so my second string quartet is called Fed There, which means faith. Um, and I think in many ways it's just a it's a product of um, it's a I'd say it's a again it's a prayer. Um, and it deals with ideas of grief and mourning and, and healing as well. And um, I was particularly, when I talk about sort of finding the truth in the art that you're writing, I think I, I this is one piece where I felt particularly connected and moved by what I produced.
Now, I have heard you are a serious cook. Does does cooking for you inspire the music or is it the other way around for you? Ooh. I mean, I, it's difficult to compose if you're hungry. Um, that's, that's true. <laughs> uh, I don't think they necessarily inspire each other, but they do kind of come under the same umbrella. And I'd say that I'm very pro-community and building community, particularly being away from home. Um, and I do have... I, I mean, I was very fortunate to to have such a wonderfully large family, um, mm. like, you know, typical Italian family, which was which was great, um, and a really important. Role Italians in, love their food, Michael. We do, but it's it's so much more than just the nutrition. You know, it's a way of it's a way of caring and a way of showing love, but it's a way of expressing your culture, and that's like your identity, right? And yeah. and I often liken um, food to music in the sense that. They're both these kinds of means of expression. They constitute who we are as a people. Um, and so being away from home, I, I really picked it up when I came to the US. And look, a lot of it was driven by the fact that, again, I've been, it, I've been having to live pretty austere since coming here. Um, so I've, I was really about you know, cooking from home and people would want to go out. And so what I do is invite people over and I'd cook these meals. And it was such a great source of pleasure to be able to like spend, even if you did something really complicated, like I used to host 10 people for these nine course dinners and, and it took up like the entire day preparing and cooking and stuff, but it's like one day and you're done. And at the end, mm. people eat the food and they smile and they kind of come together. And so it was this great sense of, um, yeah, again, community, but also like this short-term gratification, which I didn't really find in my work because it'd be months or you know, maybe a year before I actually hear what I've written and people maybe like it or maybe don't. So, so that's, I think, where cooking became like an important thing for me. Okay, let's get out the crystal ball. What does the future hold for you? I, I don't. I, this is a hard one. It's difficult to see too far into the future, but I think um, I really want to give this composing thing a go. If I can... If I can make rent and eat and make the lives of others better by doing what I'm doing, I think that would be a pretty great future. Anything after that for me would be a bonus at this stage. <laughs> so I can't see that far. <laughs> that sounds that sounds pretty good to me. You've been listening you've been listening to the scholars Michael Grebler from Perth to Manhattan. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.